Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Welcome back to another show. I'm the real Jason Duncan, and I am so excited about Chris Miles, my guest today. We're going to hop right into this. Chris Miles is the cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. And today we're going to talk about how, a little bit about how to survive losing it all, uh, because you're going to hear a really touching and moving story about how he did lose everything and came back from that. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about how he went from custodian to millionaire. And really, you're going to also hear some pieces in here about the dirty truth about financial advisors. Um, you know, he is the leading authority in teaching entrepreneurs and professionals how to get their money working for them now and not have to wait till later. He's the host of the Money Ripples podcast. I was a guest on his show not too long ago. He's used his knowledge not once but twice to become financially independent where his passive income exceeded his monthly expenses. And not to mention, he paid off a million dollars in debt when he lost everything without filing bankruptcy. He's been featured in the U.S. and U.S. News, CNN Money, Entrepreneurs on Fire, Bigger Pockets, and has a proven reputation with his company, Money Ripples, for getting his clients uh, financial results. As a matter of fact, he has uh, his potential, his clients, have increased their cash flow by almost $300 million in the last 12 years. I want you to help me welcome Chris Miles to the root of all success. Chris, welcome to the show, my man. Man, excited to be here, especially with the real Jason Duncan, not the fake one. <laughs> well, you know, I own the fake Jason Duncan on Instagram, too, because I didn't know what was going to happen. So I got <laughs> yeah, there's nothing, there. Well, there's nothing posted there. But uh, but but yes, thank you. Uh, it, there's a lot. There's a lot of funny, funny stories around that, which this story is not about me. I could tell that story, but it's about you. But we just had a great time on your show. Uh, would you tell everybody a little bit about your show? Because I, I think we should plug that here at the beginning so that people can go listen to that too because i think most podcast listeners want to listen to other cool podcasts and i think you've got one so tell just give us a little bit of snippet on what the, your show is and how to get in touch with it yeah it's called the money ripples podcast you can find it on youtubes i you know youtubes and you can find it on the youtubes <laughs> and <laughs> apple podcast <laughs> all that kind of stuff uh but yeah like the, the money ripples podcast really the focus is about creating a, a real free life right it's it's about creating that passive income today not waiting your 30 or 40 years for you to, you know, finally maybe be able to retire, right? Which is what everybody teaches you in financial advising. So, so I'm more the anti-financial advisor, like how to get you to really create that freedom and prosperity today, how to actually create passive income so you become work optional. You work because you want to, not because you have to. Good. So go listen to the Money Ripples podcast, everybody. So Chris Miles does a good job and, and we're doing back to back show recordings today. I was just on his show. Now we're on uh, now on my show and I'm using a brand new technology with Riverside.fm to record this one. So if you're watching on YouTube, uh, hopefully this looks better, <laughs> sounds better, et cetera. So, Chris, how did uh, you know, how did you get your start as an entrepreneur? Were you a kid when you started doing stuff like odd jobs kind of do make your own money or, or was it later as an adult? It's interesting because on my show, I'll often say I started as an entrepreneur a little over 20 years ago, but the truth is the way you ask that question, I really started when I was a kid. Um, I remember, so understand as a kid, I was the most shy kid ever. In fact, in first grade, I actually played bashful in Snow White and Seven Dwarfs play because I was too shy to do anything. So the teacher just said, here, just be bashful. All you have to do is nod your head. And just so you know, because of nerves, I threw up because I was so nervous about nodding my head. I mean, that's the kind of kid I was. Uh, but for whatever reason, like I remember when they would do like those sales contests and I was always driven by competition or especially like getting rewards. So I would do those sales contests to raise money at school and stuff. And 
I remember my first kind of business of sorts, um, besides the one that failed because I never got off the ground, which was trying to create a new sports drink when I was like seven years old um, with Tang, milk, and a bunch of other gross things that shouldn't even be put together. Um, <laughs> and I tried to charge it by the calorie, which is even worse, right? Um, but the first one that actually got off the ground was, being, was mowing lawns when I was about 11 years old. So I did that for few years just to try to, you know, earn some money so I could buy a bunch of crappy baseball cards that eventually became worthless. <laughs> so Tang and milk. Tang was not good anyway, like by itself. <laughs> Adding milk to it, I don't know what else. Maybe bourbon would make it even worse. But I don't <laughs> I don't know. Maybe bourbon would make it better. But tang and milk. So you had a really terrible idea as a kid <laughs> and it didn't work. Uh you mowed yards as a kid. What about uh, high school and college? Were you doing were you did you take jobs where like W two jobs, or did you try to do something to, to make money on your own? What what happened then? Yeah, I'm I'm more into the W two jobs once I was able to work. Um, I started doing that. I worked at pizza restaurants for a while. I actually did in college. I was a, a custodian, so I was cleaning up people's crap, literally, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Um, but it's interesting because my focus in college. Uh, see, my dad, he was the kind of guy that was depression era mentality. Um, he was telling me, get good grades, get a good job, you know, basically get good grades, go to college, be the first one in our family to go to college and then get a great job. So then you don't have the crappy life that I have, Chris. Um, but uh, as because I knew I didn't want his life, I was like, well, I feel like I need to have control of my own destiny. And so in the middle of college, even though my plan was to become a business consultant, ironically enough, I said, you know, I don't want to get an MBA in business consulting, but not have a real life business experience. So I dropped out of college with one class to go before I got my bachelor's, took a sabbatical. And I said, all right, I got to find a business. What's it going to be? And while I was looking around, the first business that came up was becoming a financial advisor. And I didn't realize at the time it was so easy to get in. I thought it was hard. Like you had to be smart. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a really <laughs> big cut on financial advisors, but it's kind of true. You only have to pass a test with 70% and not have a criminal record and you can become a financial advisor. So I started doing that. And there was something about, even though it was commission only, there was something about it that was really fun about being an entrepreneur because it's like the best self-help program ever. And so I actually stayed dropped out of college. I never went back. Um, even though I did try to go back five years later after I was able to retire, um, I eventually never, never went back to college again and stayed dropped out. So you go from custodian to millionaire mm -hmm. <laughs> in a few short years, financially independent, um, cleaning up people's crap, to trying to figure people's crap out <laughs> because yeah, as a financial advisor, that's what you're trying to do. Right now. I want to, I want to take just a sidebar on the financial advisor thing, because I think your point is uh, painfully familiar to everybody listening. And that is that so many financial advisors have zero business telling anybody else what to do with their money. Cause they don't really Amen. know anything. They, they pass a test, which granted m most people couldn't unless they went to the classes and took the, took the, you know, did the studying. But I see all these guys, you know, Edward Jones and my wife worked for Edward. She wasn't an advisor. She was a BOA. But but, uh, you know, I see these Edward Jones guys and these, uh, you know, maybe the Lynch, you know, Merrill Lynch, Charles Schwab guys, New York Life. And they don't really they're young. They're in their 20s. They don't know anything about money. But eventually mm -hmm. they do. So what does that tell us? How should we as the as the financial public who needs help with financial advising, how should we decide who to choose? Do, do we go with that 20 year old because, well, they're eventually going to know how to do this or, or do we just wait till we meet somebody like you who's done it and knows how to do it? Uh, I would, I would even say, even if they're older, they probably suck. <laughs> with money. Um, that was my experience. You know, I was, I was a financial advisor, like the traditional financial advisor for about four years, um, worked with many other financial advisors. There was over a hundred just in our office alone. Plus there's other offices that I'd go visit. And I'll tell you, the one thing, if you really pull back the curtain, you really look behind it, none of them were financially free. None of them. Uh, now, if they have assets under management, which is really, if you really look at it, their most successful investment is their business, their practice, right? And most of them will only get paid based on assets under management because they take their little 1% or 2% fee off the top. So if they have $100 million of your money and they make 1%, they're making a million dollars a year. Not because they're a good investor, not because they're good with money, but because they're good salespeople. They're good as, at business, which is great. That's fine. The problem is they're not selling that product. They're selling a product that has not worked even for themselves. And that's what I discovered. 
uh, for me, it was, it was, it came to a sharp reality because I sat down with my dad eventually after a few years. And I remember my dad sat down with, you know, I sat down with him. He was 61 years old. He said, Chris, I want to retire. Y2K sucked. Um, but my portfolio was coming back a little bit. What do I need to do? Understand that my dad was like the Dave Ramsey, like poster child. Like, I mean, in fact, Dave Ramsey probably followed my dad, you know, because <laughs> my dad paid off his house early. He saved everything in his retirement plan. He was cheap. I mean, this guy is so cheap that, you know, if he goes in the 7-Eleven, the guy at the cashier is going to be hiding those penny, the little tray of pennies because he knows my dad will take it. I mean, my dad even stole a salt and pepper shaker from a Chinese restaurant because he thought he didn't get good enough service. I mean, that's the kind of guy my dad is, right? I think he still has those salt and pepper shakers to this day. Um, so he's just cheap. He buys everything in bulk, you know? And I sit down with him. I look at his numbers and, and, I, and he's like, all right, what do I need to do, Chris? And I said, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Let's just say that you need, if you didn't have social security, you would have to hope to die in five years. Because you will run out of money if it weren't for Social Security. You only have five years worth of savings built up after all these years of savings and delaying his life, not traveling, not really doing a lot of things he loves to do other than fishing, right? I mean, the guy was cheap and did everything right, but he wasn't financially free. And, and he's like, well, what do I do, Chris? I, I don't know. You've done everything right, you know, according to financial advising. And when I started looking at my other clients, even ones that had decades of financial advice from other advisors that retired... They weren't financially free either, and neither was any of the financial advisors. So why am I teaching this crap? And it was really a, a question of integrity. It's like either I keep teaching this and just put blinders on like some financial advisors have done and they've admitted to me, or you leave and leave the industry. And so I quit. I left. I was like, I'm done. I'll just be a mortgage broker and teach ballroom dancing on the side. you know. And, and that was it. Um, but it became my mission to figure out, well, how do I do it? Like, how do I become financially free? Because obviously this advice is working. What does work? And that's where I found people in the real estate community that taught me how to invest and business owners and people like that. And, and that's where I found my ticket out of the rat race, so to speak. So you were, so if I'm understanding your story correctly, you, you dropped out of college with one class left. Mm -hmm. And you joined a financial advising advising firm, which I'm going to assume you don't have to say the name, but something mm -hmm. like an Edward Jones or something like that, or Waldale mm -hmm. Reed or something like that, Waldale and Reed. But but you did that. But but am I understanding your story to say that after sitting down with your dad, you realized how bad this was that you just left the industry? Is that is that what you did? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I actually left the industry about two months after uh, a couple months after I met with my dad because you know I was already starting to question it and doubt it. You know, obviously you guys are business owners. You, I'll tell you, business owners have more common sense than most people. And, and, you know, and I'm not saying if you're an employee, you don't have common sense, right? But business owners, when it comes to money, get it because you have to get it for business to succeed. You know that profit's key. You know that cash flow and passive income is key in your own personal life too. Well, I remember uh, just before I met with my dad, I sat down with my brother-in-law and when I sat down with him, I mean, I finally had, it took me three years to have the confidence to sit down with him because he came from a family that were self-made millionaires. I mean, get you, I mean, this story, his dad was the first guy in the state of Utah to open up a Chrysler dealership. And he was 19 years old, right? Uh, just so you know, his dad was homeless at age 16. So he ran away from home at age 16, was homeless, 18, started working the car business, 19, got his own dealership. From Atlanta, Georgia, he had to fly to Atlanta, get his own dealership, brought it back, was a millionaire in the 1960s by 20, the age of 21. I mean, amazingly successful story. And then his son was my brother-in-law. So when I sat down with the son, the whole reason my motivation was if I can get in with the son, if I can get in with him and the rest of the family as a financial advisor, I'm set for life, right? Well, I remember I prepared for hours for the perfect presentation for my brother-in-law. You know, I, I made the perfect little PowerPoint, you know, I brought the best guy from my office to back me up. Cause you know, through the mouths of two or three witnesses shall the word be established, you know, brought him along and uh, wore my best suit. And I go in, I give a presentation to my brother-in-law and he's like, okay, that was nice. Chris, let me ask you a question. If I give you 10,000 just to play with today, you're saying you can make me 12% a year, right? It's like, yeah. That's 1200 bucks a year. Isn't that awesome? Like, you know what that would be in 5 million years? He'd be a millionaire, which he already was. All right. He's like, okay, Chris, great. 1200 bucks a year. Got it. But Chris, I can take 10 grand. I can go put a down payment on a semi truck because he was in the, you know, the car business, right? The, the semi truck here, put 10 grand down on that. 
and a few months later, sell it for profit and make another $10,000 on top of my 10 grand. That's 100% return in a couple months. So Chris, why should I invest with you? And of course- Wow, that's a great question. Isn't it? It's a perfect question. And, I, and so I was like, oh, well, you should be diversified. You shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. Besides, business is risky. You know, you shouldn't be all there. You should have your money basically with me. And he's like, okay, thanks, Chris. See you later. And he left. Uh, we tried to talk him into it. 10 o'clock at night, we're finally leaving his house or tail tucked between our legs. I remember asking even the most experienced guys in the office, what would you say to that? And they're like, I don't know. That's a good answer. It was that moment I realized I was just a salesman in a suit. And as kind-hearted as most financial advisors are, really, that's all they're really trained to do is to sell you crap, sell you mutual funds. I even have a shirt. I didn't wear it today because I'm trying to be nice. My wife doesn't like it when I wear it publicly, but I have one that has financial advisor, like a definition from a dictionary. It says, person that's paid to sell you crap, not making you more money. It's true. They, they really aren't paid to make you more money. They're just paid to sell you it really... Mutual funds or insurances, that's all. All the little funky names and cute little things they put on it with little bows and make it sound it's like sophisticated and, and difficult to understand is crap. They make it difficult to understand. It's just mutual funds and insurances. That's all they offer. Nothing else. And the truth is this. I mean, financial planning hasn't worked, right? Um, I even put a, I even did a, a case study scenario with four people from an article that I found on, a, I think it was on Bloomberg. People that retired with $2 million dollars None of them did it solely inside saving in their 401ks. In fact, most of them either got pensions or they had some inheritance or payout that came to help boost it up to have $2 million. They were the best people. The average 401k balance for a 65-year-old is only about 80 grand. 80 grand. That's not enough to do crap. You know, so, so that, that's the thing is like I realized I was just teaching a lie. You know, I was teaching like this facade. I mean, talk about overpromise, underdeliver. Network marketing's got nothing on financial advising. Financial advising is like the ultimate failure story. Yet people teach it like it's real, like it's actually legit, and it's just not. So you figured all this out pretty early in your career, which had a bearing on the direction uh, that you took as a financial advisor or an anti-financial advisor, as you call yourself. Yeah. What? Uh, so what did you do next? I mean, now you figured out this is crap. You know, mm -hmm. I was a custodian cleanup crap. Now I'm, I was helping people with their crap. Now I realize this is all crap. So <laughs> what do you do next? And I was selling people crap, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing I did is when I quit, I was kind of like, what do I do? Well, before I quit, um, I remember one of my friends had left being a financial advisor, went to do real estate investing. He says, Chris, he's, he's like, and he kind of argued with me. He's like, what's better, stocks or real estate? I thought stocks were better because I was even teaching people how to trade stocks and options. But he kind of came to a good point. It's like, Chris, it's proven. Real estate has created more millionaires than anything. I mean, aside from business, by the way, that's number one. Look at the Forbes 500 list. Everybody's a business owner, right? But second on the list is, of course, doing things like real estate, having real estate as assets. So I said, all right, I'm open. He's like, well, if you're really open, Chris, I don't think you are because you're a financial advisor. You guys don't listen to anything. Um, go get this book by Robert Kiyosaki called Who Took My Money, which is a lesser known rich dad, poor dad book. And then listen to this, this AM talk radio show. This is pre-podcast era, right? This AM talk radio show of these two real estate investors. And so I did, and I just got sucked in. You know, I realized, yeah, mutual funds suck. That's really what Who Took My Money talks about. If you get the three-hour audio book, mutual funds don't work. Um, if you, but with these guys, they're just talking about how they use real estate to get out of the rat race. And eventually I was like, I got to know what these guys knew. And so I ended up getting them to mentor me. And, uh, and later that year, um, funny enough, by not doing anything I did as a financial advisor, but putting my money to work and then creating you know, other passive or residual streams of income, whether it be through business and or real estate, um, I got to the point where I looked at my numbers and I said, well, shoot, you know, at that time I only had you know, just barely two kids, you know, two little kids at the time. And I now have eight. You know, I have six of my own. My wife has two from her previous marriage. So we have this Brady bunch. Um, but I only had two kids. I only needed 3500 a month to, to pay for my expenses. And I looked at my numbers. I'm like, I'm making between four and 5000 a month, maybe working a couple hours a week. And, and I was 28 years old. I, I was blown away. This is just later that year after I quit being a financial advisor. And I didn't have to have millions of dollars. It didn't require that. It was just how to use leverage, focusing on cash flow, focusing on passive income. 
And it shifted and changed everything, just like it shifted for you. Like when you start thinking about how to exit your business and how to create systems, it was the same thing with my money. It was just that shift that got me to like see it all differently than what I saw as this accumulation mindset financial advisor. One of the things I was talking about earlier today on a video I recorded was about the um, the 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 characteristics of an entrepreneur and in mm-hmm. uh, the, the three things that I listed in that video were passion, vision and risk. And, and so vision, I want to talk about that right now because that's what it seems Chris, like you had is it's, I, I see something and I see that the financial advising thing is crap. Uh, it's a farce. It, it's, it's not working. I, you're, you're certainly not going to be financially independent as a result of that. At least that's the way you saw it at the time. Mm-hmm. So you saw and looked and had a vision for something else and real estate was a thing. So, so congratulations on that entrepreneurial risk that you took and the vision that you had and the passion that you undertook to get there. But my question, like a detailed question is, what did you invest in to get you four to five grand a month in cash flow? What was it? So two main I know things. it's real estate, but what specifically what'd you do? Yeah. So real estate actually had rentals. You know, I actually funny thing is I sold my house to an investor, leased it back, and then subleased it to somebody else. So I basically pulled out all the equity and then leased it from the investor and then turned around and sold it to somebody or leased it to somebody else to create rental income off that while getting the money out and then invest in like, you know, some lending type of deals where lending your money to get an interest rate back. Now that wasn't all four or five thousand dollars. Um, at that time, right? Uh, I built that up over a period of time too. The thing that sped it up was actually business, um, not the business of real estate. I wasn't like an investor where I was flipping properties or anything like that. Um, I tried to do that in the before the last recession, that sucked. Um, but uh, but for me, it was also it was when I was talking with one of those guys, you know, that was mentoring me, and he asked me, he said, "Okay, Chris, you're you're doing mortgages right now. You're a mortgage broker because in 2006 it was." easy to be a mortgage broker. And uh, he's like, all right, you're a mortgage broker and you're doing some stock coaching still. And you've got this ballroom dancing thing going on. Um, you know, you're just doing it on the side really for free. He's like, what, what, what would you spend your time doing if money were no longer an issue in your life? He's like, would you keep doing mortgages? I'm like, no, not like the way I am because I hate paperwork. I hate the fact that people want to call me the day after we start an application. When I say it's going to be at least three weeks before you hear from me. You know, that drove me nuts. He's like, well, why don't you find somebody who does that for you? And so he was really teaching me how to create a business, right? Versus being the solopreneur. Because before in a scarcity mentality, I thought I had to be the do-it-yourselfer. He's like, why don't you find some nerd that likes to do that stuff? Like that actually likes to do the paperwork and everything. Because I said, I love teaching. I love teaching the concept, but that's about it. (laughs) So he said, why don't you do that? Find the nerd. And so I went to my mortgage broker. I said, is there a guy that fits this description? And they said, yeah, you should talk to Clark. So I went to Clark. I said, Clark, if I basically give you a client that's ready to, buy, to get a mortgage, you don't have to sell them. You just have to do all the paperwork, all the backend work. Would you split me 50-50? He said, yeah, of course I would. Because he didn't want to go out and, and sell it to anybody. He just wanted to do the work. So I found him and it was a perfect partnership because... You know, I tell people like, hey, you could cash money out from your mortgage, use this to invest, like I was starting to do, right? Um, use it to invest and make passive income. They're like, that's brilliant. I can pay for my mortgage payment. You doing this strategy? Yeah, you could. Sweet. Well, where do I go to get a mortgage? Talk to Clark. <laughs> and I would do that. I'd send it to Clark. So I'd spend maybe half an hour to an hour with those people. And then the next thing I know, a month or so later, I'm going to check for thousand, two thousand plus dollars. And, uh, and I was like, well, that's easy. Could I do that elsewhere? You know, and so I remember I, there was even a, a, a wholesale jeweler in Salt Lake City. I, they save you like, you know, you buy a rings and stuff for a third of the cost. So if I heard somebody's getting married, I'm like, hey, <laughs> let me hook you up, connect you to this company, and I'll get a 5% kickback check from them, right? Now, we, today we call that affiliate, right? But for me, I was just hooking people up. I didn't know what to call it. Even when people ask me, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I sell drugs. Like, I, I didn't know how to answer to people. Like, you know, I'm getting yeah. paid to really ultimately create value for people, find the win-win, right? But for me, it was being a connector, you know, a teacher, connector, and that was pretty much it. And then I'm doing the real estate investing as well. And that's what started to really boost it up. And so even though I was still stock coaching, you know, and doing things like that, you know, all that money was gravy. I didn't even need it anymore. Um, And then it was just like, okay, I'm just going to do whatever I do for fun. 
but that's what I was doing. A couple hours a week was just connecting people. No marketing at all. Just purely friends and family that said, hey, I'm trying to figure out this. What do you think? Oh, you should go do this or you should connect with so-and-so. Wow. So when did you get back into the financial advising game? So 2007, because everybody would ask the same question you did, which is, all right, how'd you do it? Right. Well, you know, I tell them a lot of that stuff and people are like, well, great. How do I do this stuff? You know, coach me on this. I'm like, well, I don't really coach anybody, but okay. So I'd sit them down and I I wouldn't charge anything. But if I didn't charge people any money, they wouldn't do crap. So I just wasted my breath. Well, eventually I partnered up with some guys and uh, we started teaching stuff like this in 2007. I was with that company for six years, eventually launched uh, a new company, Money Ripples, which now is just 10 years old. Um, started doing that. But that's really what I did. I started going into coaching because I love teaching, you know, and love helping people that way. And that's what got me into it. So you've been very successful at this. I mean, and it took having that weird, awkward conversation with your dad, that awkward, weird conversation with your brother-in-law and uh, many little ripples along the way, uh, to use your terminology. Uh, you've been very successful. So what would you, how would you define that word success? I would define success. I can do it in two ways. Um, I'm going to go with one because I believe that in as much as you're prospering or as you're progressing, you're prospering. So I think anyone is successful if they're progressing, no matter where they are in life, right? Even if they feel like they're a failure, the thing is, are you moving, are you moving your feet forward? Are you progressing? Are you going the right direction? you're making the right direction towards your vision, you're successful. Um, I would add to that. If you're moving in the right direction and you're a person of integrity, you know, doing what you say you're going to do and, and being authentically who you are, that to me is ultimately a more successful person too. So that's where I can have those two elements is, are you progressing and are you authentically who you are? Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. As an entrepreneur, I know that you have to deal with sales on a regular basis. I mean, every entrepreneur does. And if you aren't paying attention to sales as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long. But I've got a sponsor of this show called Dub that helps you bring the personal back to sales. If you want to figure out how to improve content creation, improve client trust, improve your sales process, decrease the sales cycle, because we all know time kills deals. If you want to increase client bookings and increase conversions, you need to take a look at Dub. There's a special offer for Dub for listeners to the root of all success at therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. And that's D-U-B-B. I've been using this for years. I'm a huge fan and I'm so honored that they're our primary sponsor of the podcast. They have helped over 60,000 businesses around the world communicate better, to make sales easier, to make sales more personal. Dub is built for growing teams. I mean, you can set up video emails, you can set up custom onboarding, you can do admin reporting, anything you need around video and sales and automation, Dub is there. You can try Dub now. Your conversions to sales are waiting. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. And there you're going to get two weeks for free to try Dub. Plus, you're going to get 50% off your first two months of Dub. You can't you can't beat that. So go check it out. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. 40 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had your business in the yellow pages. You remember those things? (laughs) And 30 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a door-to-door salesman. 20 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a website. And today, you're not in business unless you're doing social media content. Am I right? Social media content. Social media content in the form of like micro content, which is 30 to 60 second spots on Instagram reels or TikTok or YouTube shorts. That's the way business is done. As a matter of fact, that may be how you found out about this podcast or me as a business coach. This medium that we're using today to communicate what we do is vitally important. And just recording yourself isn't enough. You've got to do it right. And my friends over at Story do it right. And one of the problems with doing it wrong is that you sit around thinking, well, what the heck am I going to record? What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Like, I don't, I don't know what to talk about. Well, story 
takes all of that away from you. Stop wasting time trying to come up with content because Story will send you a video prompt on what to record. You can pick the categories you want to record in, whether it's real estate, entrepreneurship, finance, relationship, leadership, life insurance. It could be anything. Don't waste time on that. And by the way, if you're not confident in talking on video or if the video editing portion takes up way too much of your time, Story will edit the videos to perform well on social media. They add the subtitles, the pop-ups, the zoom cuts. They remove all the filler words like uh and um and uh. They remove the awkward pauses. And then they take that video and post it for you. They write the captions. They add the relevant hashtags. And they post it on the platforms that you care about the most. It's exactly what you need to be in business today. to be successful at it. So if you want to learn how to do social media the way the influencers do, you need to go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story. And that's story with two Y's. Why? Because they're awesome. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story. That's S-T-O-R-Y-Y for 10% off your first three months to try story out. You're going to thank me later. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. So progression and integrity and authenticity, that's good. That's yeah. really good. Now, by that, by that definition or those definitions, would do you consider yourself to be a successful person? In a lot of ways, even though I could still find things wrong with me, but am I doing my best? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, would I say I'm, I've achieved something? No. I mean, there's always that next level. There's always something better. Um, I can always be a better person. I can always be a better follower of Christ and, and doing the right things, you know. Um, but I think I'm doing pretty well. In fact, funny enough, I just had a call with my dad last night. Uh, my dad still is alive. Um, talking about running out of money, you know, and, uh, as we're talking, he's like talking to me about, you know, uh, you know, my business and how it's blowing his mind that, you know, I'm doing the things that I'm doing because he was stuck in the rat race. He's not, he's like, you, you achieve something I never was able to do. You actually have a life, you have a lifestyle while you're still young, you can do whatever you want. He's like, on top of that, you just got done running the Chicago marathon. And you got in the top 7% of finishers in the world. Like, it's like, that's just crazy. He's like, you're, you're like, you're, you congratulations. You are actually successful. And, and it caught me off guard hearing that. Cause one, my dad was like my number one critic growing up, but, uh, but he also was a cheerleader too, at the same time. Right. He knew I could achieve more. But for him to kind of give me that kind of respect was what really took me, kind of put me back on my heels. It was very humbling, to say the least. Well, I've got I've got a theory that there are these five things that show up in every entrepreneur's story uh, and their journey to success. And, and the first one is being passionate about something, which means willing to endure. And it sounds to me like, you know, you you were passionate. You had this endurance to push through the the terrible times of sitting down with people trying to sell crap as a financial advisor to cleaning up crap, to, to figuring out how to, how to do the real estate investing thing. So passion is certainly a key that I can see in your story. The second thing I, th- I think is that, you know, being in the right place at the right time. And I think that, you know, wh- where, where you were with your brother-in-law, I, I, I think that was a right place, right time thing. I, I, mm-hmm. and, and I think also the third key is knowing the right people and I think that there's probably some some crossover there being the right place, the right time with that. Do you agree with those? Uh, there's two more keys, but do you agree with those kind of three keys and how they showed up in your story? Absolutely. Um, it's kind of like they say that when the student's ready, the teacher appears. Right. And that teacher can be life. It could be a person or relationship. But you're right. There are no accidents. I don't believe there are any accidents in our life. The question is, are your eyes open enough to see it and then walk through that door? Yeah. That's that's good. Are there any other people in your life that contributed to your success that you can look back now and go, yeah, if that person hadn't been there, I wouldn't be who I am now. I, there's so many. I mean, I, heck, even people in my life right now, my own team, you know, now I'm not the solopreneur anymore. Right. I mean, even having a team around me makes it successful. I mean, I can't be money ripples, Chris Miles, anti-financial advisor without them. You know, um, I'll even say during the hard times, I mean, there was some really tough times I went through like in the last recession, you know, where I went over a million dollars in debt in my business um, in the whole $16,000 a month that was short between my business and my personal expenses and the income I was making. And I remember even at that time, I mean, there's people like uh, you might have heard a guy named Garrett White, Garrett J. White is what he goes by now. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that actually worked inside of our company for, for about a little over a year. 
um, he taught me some things about, you know, using your intuition, you know, following that and being very sensitive and following the spirit, so to speak. Right. And, you know, there's guys like, you know, I was working with a guy named Garrett Gunderson, another Garrett, um, who at that time kind of got me to, even though I was going through all that crap and he was too, um, it, that created an opportunity because some of the best things I learned for helping people free up cash flow and also increase their passive income came when I was suffering the most, when I was not bankrupt, although I could have easily gone bankrupt, but I was broke, broke as heck, you know, and being able to go through that time and, uh, and those experiences led me to learn and become resourceful that I was able to teach and use in a system with Garrett Gunnarsson helping his company. And then eventually when I launched Money Ripples, really everything we teach, I, I can't teach anything I don't know and do myself. You know, that's the truth. I'm not a good BSer. So um, for me, it's always putting my life experience into it. So, I mean, ultimately, I mean, really, I mean, that's why I thank God, you know, for really leading me and guiding me through these experiences. Even though they hurt, I remember praying and saying, you know, I don't know the purpose of what I'm going through right now, but if at least one person is blessed by what I suffered, you know, essentially if my pain becomes their gain, would that be worth it, Chris? You know, and we're thinking like, yeah, that would. And to now look back and see that literally you know, thousands and tens of thousands of lives, if not hundreds of thousands of lives, people I've never even met have been blessed from the things I teach. Man, I mean, that's, that's much better blessing, you know, for what I was asking in that prayer where I was like, if I could help a few people, that would be awesome. And to, to see how many more people's lives have been growing and blessing and that ripple effect, which is why the name Money Ripples exists, is that ripple effect we create. So, yeah, I'm very so blessed. What, well, what'd you do? Like, how did you make it when you were 16 grand short on cash flow month to month from your business? Mm -hmm. how, did, how, did you, how did you survive that? What did you do? Barely, man. I was running on fumes of faith. I'll tell you. I mean, there was times like I wanted just to, you know, huddle in a corner and just, you know, quit. You know, it was, it was that there's a psychological thing that I learned actually in college. Uh, cause I love social psychology. Um, there's a psychological concept called learned helplessness. It's kind of the danged if you do danged, if you don't type of thing where yes. um, they did it with dogs, they experiment with dogs. Where they shock the cage and make the dog jump over. This is pre PETA obviously. And then they shock the other side, make the dog jump over that, that little barrier. Right. And so they make the job, the dog jump back and forth. Well, eventually they said, what happens if we shock both sides? And so the dog would jump over, find out it's shocking him, jump over, still shocked. And after a few jumps, it would just go in the corner and huddle and whimper and pee all over itself. Right. That was me. <laughs> I mean, maybe I was a pee all over myself, but I was pretty dang emotionally speaking. I was like, I, there was a lot of hard times. I remember my, my now ex-wife, you know, wife at that time, she was like, should I just do, take the kids and move in with my sister, you know, just to, so you can figure out your crap. And I'm like, no, don't Cinderella man me. Like, don't do that. Like, no, I need the, I need you and the kids to support here. Uh, so, I mean, it was hard. So what got me through, um, it was really a few key things. One, every morning I was doing like what Tony Robbins would call the hour of power, right? Um, I would focus on what I call the three E's, uh, education, exercise, and enlightenment. So I would get up first thing, start exercising. Then I would, you know, do things like, you know, ed, you know, education. I would even like read good books. Uh, sometimes I'd even do enlightenment, like which like prayer. I would do prayers of gratitude while I'd be working out, um, doing things like that to just try to get in a good space. It really create a win at the very beginning of the day. Even if I felt like a loser the rest of the day, because the collectors are calling multiple times a day, I felt like a loser. But at least in that moment, I was a winner. At that moment, I wasn't broke. I had, I had everything I needed. So I would do that. Um, I also had understand. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, there's a few key mind, uh, mindset mantras I had to go through as well. Uh, besides the one, like sometimes it's prayers of gratitude. I even do meditation. Like I remember I would, uh, I would just recite the, mon the, the mantra, be still and know that I am God. I would recite that as I'm breathing, like doing breath work and stuff, just trying to calm down. Um, and I even take out a word every time. So like, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am, which that I am is Christ, right? Be still and know that I, be still and know that, be still and know, be still, be, 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 and just try to calm my nerves down so I could have a clear head and find some solutions. Because I knew there had to be a solution. And that kind of led to those other, other uh, beliefs, right? Was, which is, you know, there's, there's no, there are no accidents. There's a purpose for everything. There has to be a reason I'm going through this, even if it's just to bless somebody else's life. And even believing that whatever 
you know, it's kind of like Napoleon Hill talks about and think you're rich, right? With every adversity comes a, the, the, I can't remember, I'm not even quoting it right, but the, the almost the equal or greater benefit for every operator. The seed of a greater benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I was having faith in those principles, right? And all along the way, just knowing that the main principle to getting out of any financial situation to grow a business, to create more income was simply create value. How do I go about serving people and solving problems in a way that money is exchanged and always coming back to those principles? Like how am I creating value? How am I serving people showing up to serve and creating that win-win adding value in their lives? That money is just the natural byproduct. And when I focus on those principles, relying heavily on God and praying and, and it was a good year and a half of struggle, almost two years before things really reversed and we came out of it. Um, it just got me through barely. And, and granted, I lost a house. You know, I, I turned in my Mercedes. I said, take it. You're going to take it anyways. Um, same Mercedes I actually bought for my brother-in-law uh, that uh, helped get, you know, influence me along the way. Um, all that kind of stuff. I just, I, I had to get rid of everything. And funny enough, when I lost everything, that's when I found what was real. That's when I found me because I was hiding behind the money and the stuff. But really, I found who I was and that grit and that faith eventually paid off and, and it kind of carried me through and I actually dug out of that debt hole, um, paid it off by, you know, by 2016, I was actually out of the rat race again the second time, but this time much wiser, better investments and things like that to keep me going. Wow. That's, that's, uh, uh that, that's, that's heavy, man. That's really heavy. Two years. Uh, and you did refer to your ex wife. Did, was that also a, uh, uh, a casualty of that, that experience? Eventually. Yeah. I mean, we, we ended up divorcing in 2015. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was tough. I mean, you said, you know, people that helped you along your way. I mean, I have to give credit to my ex-wife, you know, uh, she, I mean, she was, she felt helpless. I mean, she had at that time when we were foreclosed on, we were about to have our fourth child, you know, like she was pregnant about the pop, you know, and then it comes a knock at the door and the guy is saying, Hey, I just bought your house at the courthouse. When can you get out? I bought it in cash. So it's mine. And we had to convince him, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'll pay you 2000 bucks. Just let me stay in for two more weeks while we find a place to live, have a baby in the meantime. And we did, we had a baby the next week, our fourth child, and then eventually found a place to live and moved out. Um, it's crazy because it was only just a matter of four months after that, um, that everything turned around financially started to come back again. If I, if it hadn't happened that way, right. If I hadn't lost the house, if I hadn't lost all the stuff and stripped everything away, you know, it makes me wonder if I would have really learned that lesson, but it got me to the point of really be, get my life simplified, getting down to what really matters. And then that's what, all of a sudden when it seemed like that's when I knew I was going to get blessed. You know, that's when things turn around. Wow. So, you know, I think it's, a, it's not really even important to go to the last two keys. I think that story was so, uh, so heavy and inspirational. I, I'd like people just to marinate on that to, you know, how do you survive losing everything? And that's you, you, you just gave us a masterclass in that to, you know, from the little things about breath work and, and mantras and exercising and having the right energy and paying attention to the right things. So when you came out of that, eventually, um, did you go back into financial advising or, or what did you do? What was the thing you did? Did you invest in real estate? How did you get the money back? Because you had turned in the Mercedes, you lost the house, you didn't file bankruptcy, but your credit was probably shot. I mean, what, oh, yeah. how did, what, how did you do? how did you make money? And then what did you do about the credit? You know, your credit score being so terrible. Yeah. Especially that credit score got below a 500, right? It was pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, that's like, that's like, you know, we're getting your name correct on the SAT and that's it. You don't answer any more questions. You know, that was my credit score. Um, you know, really it's, so I kept coaching all along the way, but uh, like I said, I can't teach something I don't do. Right. So when I, when I realized that in that place of, of, you know, right around the end of 2007, beginning of 2008, when I knew I was back in the rat race, I stopped teaching people how to get out of the rat race. I changed the tune and instead started teaching people how to get resourceful, how to find the money, which was interesting because at that time during the recession, people were like, Chris, like what you guys teach sounds awesome. And then even talking about the investing part of it, right? They're like, it sounds awesome, but honestly, I, I just don't have the money. And I remember thinking in the back of my mind, I wouldn't say it verbally, but in the back of my mind, I'd say, I guarantee your situation is better than mine right now. Like, I'm sure you're not. I mean, I was a million dollars more broke than the homeless guy on the street, right? I mean, that's how broke I was. I was broker than broke. So when they would say that, I'd say, well, if I could help you find the money, would you hire me then? Well, yeah. 
yeah, if you can help me do it, like if you find out how to pull money out of thin air, that'd be great. And so I would, I would actually show them like ways to free up cash or get resourceful. Here's the ways to pay down debt differently than what Dave Ramsey teaches and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and on, what was funny is that that eventually led to becoming a cash flow process that I let um, Garrett Gunderson now Wealth Factory use. They're still using my old stuff to this day, but that stuff that I learned in my own situation, I was teaching the clients. And, and on average, 30, they would find $34,000 a year, they would free up. So they're like, holy crap, this is awesome. So funny enough, as I perfected that system, is the right time that Garrett got his good relationships coming in, like chiropractors and dentists and people like that coming in, we kind of like created this perfect marriage and a perfect timing. And that's what eventually got us out. Like he had the relationships, but he didn't have a process. I created a whole brand new process from the crap I was experiencing. And by doing that, I was able to coach people through that. And then I only started to bring in like the passive income piece of how to invest to do that when I was getting out of the rat race myself. So around 2015, 2016, when I eventually got out of the rat race, that's when I started to teach that again. So really, it's kind of cool because if I would have kept teaching the same thing throughout the whole time, you're like, dude, you're just full of crap. You're not even doing it. You know, you're not living what you preach. But the truth is I was able to live what I preached the whole way, even if it was hard. You know, like it was tough, but I was able to keep teaching what I knew, what I was actually doing and helped a lot of people along the way. Well, that's that's such a great story, man. And I'm I'm really glad that we met. I don't I don't remember specifically how we got introduced, but I'm really glad that we did. I'm glad Mm -hmm. that I was able to hear your story today. As we get ready to wrap this up, I want to ask you to give some advice to the listener. You know, there's listeners that listen to this show that are that are killing it as entrepreneurs that are doing nine figures and they're killing it. And then there's others that are struggling. And I think that your story is an inspiration for those that are struggling. But but the person that I want you to speak to and give some advice to is that person in the early stages of their entrepreneurship journey. They're not struggling. They're just trying to figure it out, right? Everything's okay. They just haven't figured it out. What would you say to those people? What's your entrepreneurial advice as a successful entrepreneur to that person? Well, I would get a book called Three Feet from Gold uh, by some of my yeah. friends, Greg Reed and Sharon Lecter. Um, great book. In fact, that actually, that was one of the two books that helped me through my hardest times uh, when I was in the hole, you know, over a million bucks. Um, because they talk, often you'll hear the entrepreneurs, the, all the successful entrepreneurs that we hear about, real stories, they'll say things like, yeah, it only took me 10 years to become an overnight success. You know, things like that, right? Um, and that doesn't mean you have to take 10 years before you finally see some success in your life. But it's, it's really a good illustration of patience, right? Really, the entrepreneur that makes it is one that's patient and persistent and then ultimately does what I just said. The thing that pulled me up ultimately out of that hole wasn't some, it wasn't just financial strategies, although those helped, but ultimately it was that focus on those true principles, specifically, how do I create value for people? Stop asking, how do I make more money in my business? That's a, that's a dumb question to ask because it's really the effect. It's not the cause of money, right? You want to find the cause of money, not the effect of it. Yeah, you want more money. We get it. Well, what's the cause of money? It's how you go about serving people, solving problems, and adding value in their life to where the money becomes less valuable to them than whatever they're receiving from you. You focus on how you can go about creating the maximum amount of value possible for those people and then share it. Do it. Go and act on it. Even if it means you're not making a lot in the beginning, you feel like you're putting a lot more effort than than what you're getting out, join the club. That's every entrepreneur. So go and, and really give that value and be patient and persistent in that. And it will always pay off. So three feet from gold, everybody go read that book. It's very good. Sharon Lecter took that idea from uh, Napoleon Hill and think and grow rich, where he tells the actual story about what happened when that dude was literally three feet from a gold, uh, a gold strike and sold it all and kind of gave it up. And, and he went on to become successful in another way, but he always told that story three feet from gold. And then Sharon, whom I also know too, is a great lady, uh, wrote a book called three feet from gold. That's a great, a, a great book for those to go read. So, so Chris, thank you for being on the show, man. Tell everybody how they can be in touch with you. Easiest way, go to moneyripples.com. You can go to our website and you find all kinds of information there or follow our YouTube channel, Money Ripples. We got a whole channel there with videos and, and all kinds of good stuff. All right. Well, Chris Miles, thanks for being on the show. Money Ripples podcast. Go take a listen and go to moneyripples.com. Chris, thanks again. Thank you so much.
Well, there you have it. Another very successful entrepreneur. What a great story. Chris, um, you know, I could have, we, we talked at post show a little bit about this before I recorded this, this piece of our show um, about his story and how much more I wanted to dig deeper into that. But just due to lack of time on the show, I didn't get a chance to do it. But people need to understand that you can lose everything and come back from it. Now, it's not fun losing it. You don't want to lose it. And I wouldn't recommend losing it. But losing everything is not a death sentence. It's not the end of the world. You can come back from that. And that's where I think passion, the number one key to success, really comes into play. Passion means the willingness to suffer. And the reason that Chris is so successful today is that that first key to success, which is passion, was extremely present in his life during those years of of loss. You know, to lose his Mercedes, lose his house, lose uh, eventually his, you know, not his wife to death, but the marriage broke up. Like all these things, these huge losses in his life, he came back from that because he had a passion and he became successful because of that. So I want you to go to check him out. Go to moneyripples.com. Go to look at the Money Ripples podcast. Look for the episode with yours truly in it. Yeah, great dude. Uh, you should follow him, Chris Miles. He's a, he's a great guy. And uh, I have used a brand new technology on today's show called Riverside FM. I don't know if I'm going to continue to use it, but but I want I got a brand new camera and it's 4K. And I wanted to make sure that I was maximizing that. And Zoom, frankly, even though it's easier to use, doesn't have 4K capabilities. So I'm trying to look into other technology. So if you're watching this on YouTube, I should look a little crisper. My guests look a little crisper. Everything should sound better. And uh, I hope that you're following the podcast. You can follow The Root of All Success and subscribe to it on any podcast player. We're proud to be uh, part of the C-Suite Radio Network, syndicated on all podcast players. And then also my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash the real Jason Duncan. If you haven't followed me on Instagram, you're missing out. There's lots of great content, social content there, videos, etc. Go check me out at the real Jason Duncan. Until next time, I want you to tune in when I talk with yet another very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. And until then, I'm the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. Are you an entrepreneur who feels trapped in the weeds of daily operations, not experiencing the freedom you thought you'd have as a business owner? Want to know the way out? Take Jason's free exit readiness assessment to see how close you are to getting ready to experience true freedom and success as an entrepreneur. Go to amireadytoexit.com today. That's amireadytoexit.com. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.